and uh, Pastor Fred's going to come and minister the word today. I love it when Pastor Fred speaks into my life, and I want to tell you, last night he spoke into all of our lives in a very profound way. And uh, normally, Pastor Fred is so heavily involved with Nicole and our entire children's team on the weekends that, that he doesn't always get to be with us as a church family. And so it's always wonderful when we can welcome Pastor Fred to our pulpit. So would you welcome Pastor Fred this morning as he comes to minister the word. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. It's fun to be an adult church. I love kids' church. That's just pure fun. This is limited fun, but it's good. still good. Uh, A week from Wednesday, we will be celebrating the birthday of the king. Pastor Daryl's birthday will be the 24th of April. So uh, plan now. Uh, We have already made hundreds and hundreds of preparations and... And I'm going to be hit by lightning in a moment if I'm not careful. So, uh, happy almost birthday, Pastor Darrell. So, if you find one of those really hilarious, embarrassing cards, send it. On Monday, uh, while you're looking for uh, Judges chapter 6, that's where we're going to be traveling in just a moment. As you're turning to that, on Monday is probably one of the most depressing days in the history of the world. Tax day. Taxes are due. So uh, I found this really, really kind of cool story of about a man that uh, solved his tax problem in an interesting way. It was a man who computed his taxes for 1997 and found that he owed $3,407. And he packaged up his payment and included this letter, Dear IRS, enclosed is my 1997 tax return and payment. Please take note of the attached article from the USA Today newspaper. In the article, you will see that the Pentagon is paying $171.50 for hammers and that NASA has paid $600 for a toilet seat. Please find enclosed four toilet seats and six hammers. This brings my total payment to $3,429. Please note the overpayment of $22 and apply it to the Presidential Election Fund as noted on my return. Might I suggest you send the above-mentioned fund a one-and-a-half-inch screw? See attached article. HUD paid $22 for a one-and-a-half-inch Phillips-head screw. It has been a pleasure to pay my tax bill this year, and I look forward to paying it again next year. I just saw an article about the Pentagon and screwdrivers. Sincerely, taxpayer. Well, that was 1997. So I'm sure by now hammers are probably up to $500 and toilet seats are probably $1,000. So again, uh, I don't encourage you to use this method of payment um, because I'm sure you're going to get a visit if you do that. But I thought it was pretty funny. Then I saw this other poem which I found really, really enlightening. If you love something, set it free. If it comes back, it will always be yours. If it doesn't come back, it was never yours to begin with. But, if it just sits in your living room, messes up your stuff, eats your food, uses your telephone, takes your money, and doesn't appear to realize that you actually set it free in the first place, you either married it or gave birth to it. (laughs) Either of which is tax deductible. (laughs) 
I love it. I just love it. This morning, I want to share with you a thought, um, a message that the Lord laid on my heart when uh, Pastor Merrill shared with, or Pastor Daryl shared with me the opportunity to speak again. It has to do with the word dream. I want you to, uh, if you take notes, if you would write the following words down on your uh, sermon notes in the back of the bulletin there. Write the word dream and next to it wish. Then write the word desire and next to that want. Then the word determination and the word will. And then finally the word destiny and the word win. Dream, desire, determination, and destiny. Want, or I'm sorry, wish, want, will, and win. I've entitled this message, Overcoming the Dream Killers. In 1863, Abraham Lincoln was invited to speak at the dedication of the Gettysburg National Cemetery where hundreds of men were buried as a result of what was going on in in the Civil War. He shared a two-minute speech called the Gettysburg Address. For the sake of time, I won't read that uh, tonight or this morning, but I encourage you to take a look at that. In two minutes, he shared an amazing thought about the whole idea of the dream of seeing America free for everyone. Then a hundred years later, not quite to the date, but a hundred years later, 1963, a young preacher by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. shared these words. It's not his speech in entirety, but I want to just re-echo some of the words of that speech. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. I have a dream that one day on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day, here in Alabama, little black boys and black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted, every hill and mountain shall be made low, the rough places will be made plain, the crooked places will be made straight. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is the faith that I go back to the South with. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we will be able to work together, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. The power of a dream is amazing. Dreams, I believe, have to go through a process. We begin with a dream or a wish. 
I wish things were different. I wish this were not true. I wish I had a better job. I'm not saying that. I'm just using that as an example, okay? (laughs) I wish that my family was better. I wish that my loved ones were saved. I wish that my husband wasn't a lazy bum. I'm sorry. I wish that... I wish that... My health was better. I wish that I had more discipline. I wish that I, would, I could lose weight. I wish I could gain weight. I've never had that problem. But I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, you know, we wish things all the time. We're always wishing for things. But until that wish takes that step and becomes a want and becomes a desire and becomes a, something that we, we literally... We'll, we'll do whatever it takes. We'll begin to sacrifice and move forward in that direction. Until that tiny little step takes place, that wish will simply die. It'll never go anywhere. And the biggest dream killer out there today is Satan himself and all of his little imps that travel the world. And they, use, they have four weapons that they use to destroy dreams on a daily basis. Fear, doubt, Unbelief and worry, the four weapons of Satan, fear, doubt, unbelief, and worry. You, take, you look at your dream and you, and you say, oh man, I wish I, I wish I could do something about this. And then that huge little word arises, but, but, if we could eliminate but, that would be helpful, wouldn't it? But, I wish, this, I wish I could do this, but I'm afraid it probably won't work. I doubt it'll ever happen. I don't believe I, I can really do anything about it. And I worry what people would think if I shared my dream. The four killers. Let me ask you something. How many of you have ever had a, had a dream date? Men, you need to raise your hand right now. You've had a dream date. Your wives, girlfriends, maybe not. Dream date. We, we, we look at a dream date, we think of a dream car. How many of you have ever been in your dream car? It was probably owned by someone else and they just let you sit in it, but it was your dream car. How many of you are driving your dream car right now? One of you, that's good, that's good. Okay. Jennifer, I've seen your car. You have a lousy dream. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Your dream car. Dream home. How many of you are living in your dream home right now? Nobody. What a depressing group. (laughs) But we think of, you know, our dream job. How many of you are working in your dream job? All the staff better raise their hands right now. (laughs) Pastor Darrell didn't even raise his hand. I'm discouraged. (laughs) Oh, both hands. All right, good, good, good. How many of you are living in your dream marriage? Now the hands better be flying. Okay, good, good, good. Just for health reasons, if no other, right? But our dreams, our dreams, you know, those are the pinnacles. Those are the things that, you know, that's what, you know, may, yeah, maybe, maybe not, who knows, you know. If you're living in your dream body. Now, there's a real great question. But, but the, the issue of the dream, it has to move. It has to move from, from that place of, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish, because you can wish yourself into zip-ola, into nothingness. 
But you have to move forward and begin to step into that want. I want this more than anything in the world. I will sacrifice. I will fight. I will give. I will bleed. I will hurt. I will do whatever it takes to take that next step from wish to want. In the life of Moses. In the li- I mean, read the Old Testament. Read the New Testament. There are men and women there that had a dream. They were given a dream. They were given a thought. They were given an idea by God, and then they began to have, then they had to move forward with it. Well, I'm going to take you to the life of a young man by the name of Gideon. This is an incredible story. It's about three or four chapters long, but I, I just want to read a couple of little snapshots out of his life and take a look at how he transferred or moved from dream to desire to determination to his destiny. His destiny. The people of Israel had... Uh, for about seven years now, had turned away again from God. I know that's a shock. But they had turned away from God and were living in sin and idolatry and so on. And the enemies around them were coming in like hordes and just causing all kinds of problems and stealing their food and and animals. And it was just, it was a horrible situation. And so they rose up and said, we need someone to step up and help us. We need God to send someone. We need to repent and ask God to send us someone. And so, here, take a look at at what happens in uh, chapter 6, beginning in verse number 11. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah, not Oprah, Ophrah, that belonged to Joash the Abizrite, there, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. This was the major enemy here, the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. I'm sure Gideon's going, is there somebody else here? What is he talking about? But sir, Gideon replied, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our fathers told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and put us into the hand of Midian? The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand, I am, am, am I not sending you? The dream has begun. The thought, the destiny of Gideon is being put into motion. God lays a thought into the heart of Gideon and says, I am sending you. Look at verse 15. What's the first word? What? But. Capital but, not little but. This is a big but. I don't know why I said that. I apologize, but whatever. But Lord, Gideon asked, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. They're going to have to jack me up to bury me. I'm so low. It's pitiful, God. I'm like the, I'm the patheticest. There's a new word. Put that down. I am like the, it does, I don't get it. It doesn't get any lower or worthless than me, God. Are you kidding me? Then the Lord answers. <laughs> Note, I love God's answer. He doesn't go, Really? Oh, man, have I made a mistake. I had no idea you were that worthless. I've got to find a new person. No, what does God say? 
And the Lord says, I will be with you. And you will strike down the Midianites as if they were but one man. Now, I'm not sure if Gideon realized, I know God realized, but the, the, the scripture later tells us that there were 120,000 warriors fighting machines that were part of this Midianite camp. 120,000. That's a hefty army. And Gideon is going to strike them as if they were one man. This is like incredible. This isn't a dream. This is fantasy land. But in God's eyes, this is a dream he places in his heart. Verse 17. Gideon replied, if now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Gideon is so totally human. If God places a dream in your heart, what usually happens? God, I need a sign. Give me a sign. Gideon, Gideon's really pretty amazing. He goes and he offers a sacrifice, and, and the sacrifice bursts into flames. Now, to me, that would be a sign. Okay, I'm, whoa, that's pretty amazing. But then Gideon goes into negotiations with God again. He says, now God, if I'm really supposed to be doing this, if this is really you, and that, you know, here, here's the deal. What I need you to do is I'm going to put a sheepskin out in the grass, and tomorrow morning I need the, the grass dry and the sheepskin wet. I doubt that God got nervous about that one. Just, okay, fine. The next morning, sure enough, he goes out and checks, ground dry, sheepskin wet. And I'm sure God is now ready for Gideon to say, Yes, Lord, I will go. I will do this. I'm ready. Gideon goes, Now, God, that was pretty amazing. But how about tomorrow, sheepskin dry, ground wet? I mean, how many signs does this guy need? But God, in his amazing patience, says, No problem. Got it covered. Boom, next morning, sure enough. Now Gideon is finally ready to move from, yes, God, I wish we were not under the, the constant oppression of the Midianites and all these other nations, to, uh, all right, God, this is what you want me to do. This is what you want. Okay, all right, I'll do this. And so Gideon calls out, sends a call out for soldiers to come. We're going to look at chapter 7. We're going to look at verse 9 in just a few moments. But Gideon sends a call out. And he says, I need all the men of Israel to come. We are going to, to finally fight. I will become the leader. We are going to fight against the Midianites and destroy them. God has called me to do this, has promised me victory. So I need all the men to come together. And they came together. 32,000 men showed up. And Gideon is standing there and the Lord taps him on the shoulder and says, oh, That's too many. Too many. 32,000, let's see, 32,000, 120,000. Um, God, those are like, that's four to one right now. Are you, as I shared last night, apparently God never went to Jennifer Strayler's math class and didn't understand how these probabilities and things work. I'm sorry, whatever. So God says, no, tell the ones that are afraid to go home. So he makes it, he said, all right, men, 
If you're afraid, you really don't want to do this, you can go home now. A mass exodus takes place. 22,000 Israelites head for the hill. They're gone. That's all I need to hear. See ya. Wouldn't want to be ya. 10,000 are left. God says, Gideon, still too many. Come on, God, that's 10 to 1. Gideon, I am not going to share my glory on this one with anybody. That's too many men. Take them on a march. Have them drink some water. The ones that drink it like a dog. They kneel down and they cup it in their hands and then lap it out while they're watching. Those are the ones I want. The rest you can send home. I'm sure I can almost see Gideon going, please drink right, please drink right, please drink right. He sends, they come back, they drink the water. 9,700 men just jumped into the water and drank. You know, 300 men now are left over. Gideon now has his army. I use the word army loosely, but he's got 300 men now left. To take this dream, to accomplish this destiny, he is now, it's gone from a wish, or, a, or a, it's, a, it's gone from a dream now into the realm of desire. Gideon has made the steps. He has moved forward in God to see this dream come to pass. The releasing of Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Gideon is now somewhat determined, but it hasn't kicked in yet. The distance between that dream and the desire is a little short. But for you to get to a level where you are determined, come hell or high water, you are determined to see your destiny fulfilled. That's another larger step. It takes greater faith. You have to get to a place now where you trust God 1,000%. And you see, the move from, from the desire... I want to do this, to I will do this, is where we become a little nervous. And the enemy will come in like a flood with fear, doubt, unbelief, and worry. He will want to shut down your vision to have a ministry. He will want to shut down your ideas to try to help and create something new and, and exciting. He will cause you to doubt it. He will cause you to fear it. He will cause you to not believe you can make it happen. He will cause you to begin to worry about it. He will give you every excuse under the sun why you should just kill this dream because it will never come to pass. And the enemy came in and started bugging Gideon about it as well. And so Gideon, uh, Gideon began to realize, I've got 300 men and I'm going against 120,000 of the craziest uh, battle-hardened maniac fighters that he's ever seen before. God, are you kidding me? No, I'm not. I told you I'd be with you. I told you what was going to happen. If Just trust me and believe me and thank me ahead of time for the victory. That's the hardest thing to do. Is to begin thanking God for something you cannot see. You know what that's called? Faith. Faith. Faith is thanking God for something you cannot see. But he's promised that he would give it to you. Stop praying, looking at your watch. All right, Lord, you promised. You got 30 seconds, starting now. And God just laughs. 
God is not, doesn't wear a watch. Why should he? He controls time. It doesn't matter. He doesn't worry about it. I've discovered something, too, about God. When he begins to lay, a, lay something on your heart, he will catch you at a moment when you are least distracted. When did the angel come to Gideon? When he was at a big party? No, he was by himself. You know when the Lord laid this message on my heart? Four o'clock in the morning, one morning. I wake up, I mean, it's four o'clock. I think, Lord, I got two more hours. No, you don't. I have, we need to talk. God, I'm going to be at the office all day. Can't you just come in my office and talk then? No, because you're going to be on your phone, you're going to be messing with Facebook, you're going to be checking emails. I stand before you this morning believing with all my heart there will be no computers and no smartphones in heaven. Nada. Hell will have all of that, but heaven, no. None of that. And so the Lord, and why does he do that? Because I am completely undistracted. I'm just barely awake, but the Lord just, I mean, my mind starts going 100 miles an hour, and, these me and the message just takes on its shape, and, and I'm going, God, this is great. This is awesome. I just hope I remember this stuff. And fortunately, he did help me remember it. But you see, God will find you at a place where you are alone and quiet, and then he will begin to speak his dreams into your life. When he wakes you up, and I'm trusting God, I believe God, I'm asking, you know, I don't care about 4 o'clock, 2 o'clock, you know, 1 o'clock. Whenever God can get your undivided attention, I pray that he will find you, he will speak into your life and give you dreams and, and begin to give you some desires and begin to give you some determination so that you might be able to fulfill your destiny. It's what God wants to do. And so God tells Gideon, he says, I want you to go down to the camp, just kind of check it out and, and see what's going on down there. I'm going to confirm again in your heart and life what I'm about to do. And he does it with a dream. It's absolutely amazing. Turn to chapter 7 and look at with me at verse number 9, starting at verse number 9. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. The dream reiterated. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. Afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as locusts. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. We are talking about this massive, massive gathering of humans. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force, the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this could be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its, and its interpretation, he worshipped God. He returned to the camp of Israel, called out, Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into, into your hands. 
Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets, empty jars in the hands of all them with torches inside. I wish I could have been there. 300 men are about to face an army in excess of 120,000. And their battle armor and their weapons are a clay pot, a torch, and a trumpet. What? You see, we have read this and heard this story so many times, but can you try to imagine with me the men, the 300 men that are sitting there as Gideon passes out the weapons? Are you serious? A clay pot, a torch, and a trumpet? Are you kidding me? How many of you realize that every so often God will make weird things happen in your dream? He will ask you to do something weird, strange. He'll ask you to go someplace you never expected to go. He'll ask you to wear something you never thought you should wear. He'll ask you to eat something, if you're a missionary, that you never thought you would eat. And then Gideon says, here's the battle plan. On my signal, I want you to break that clay jar. I want you to hold that torch in the air. Then I want you to blow that trumpet for all you're worth. And the men are thinking, great. We'll get their attention by breaking the clay pot. We'll hold up the torch so they can see where we are. And we'll blow the trumpet so they'll find us with no problem. <laughs> I wonder if any of those guys are going, is it too late to call my mom? I, I hope God has a video of this. Because at that moment, when Gideon had his men stationed around this valley, as they stood on the tops of those mountains and looked down into that mass of humanity, and, he, and at his signal he began to shout, and they crashed that, that clay pot. I believe that God turned his amplifiers up to max. And that, that crashing ended up becoming like thunder of a million, million decibels across that valley, thundering across there. And the torches went up, and then it became as light as the sun. And they saw that fire all around them, and then they heard these trumpets. Da-da, 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 da-da. Scared them half to death. They started killing everything in sight. Why? Because God said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it. Gideon, you won't, have to you won't need a sword because you're not going to kill anybody. I'll handle it. I like this story. Hopefully I didn't spit on anybody, but it's exciting. <laughs> when God puts a dream in your heart, become determined to see it come to pass. Make a decision that this will happen. God has promised me you will not be sick forever. You can know the joy of family. Look at the family around you. You can know the joy of belonging. You can know the joy of, of being creative. You can know the joy of, of ministry. Stop 
letting the devil lie to you. I can't. I don't know how. I just, I doubt. I don't believe. I'm afraid. Cut that stuff out of your vocabulary. Let God do his work in your life. Well, I'm too old. Don't talk to me about too old. I will take you to the court. I will take you to the tent of Abraham. Be careful what you say about being too old. God may give you a baby. God will fix you. Don't, yeah, careful. Whoa. Thelma, how would you like to have a baby? Wouldn't that be exciting? Sarah had one when she was 90. Yow! You see, God is more excited about giving you a dream and then watching it, watching it unfold and watching it happen. And as Gideon walked away from that battle situation and they gathered up the spoils and he was able to come back to Israel and say, well, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. Every one of us has a dream today. It's all about dreams. It's about destiny. Where are you going? I hope that your number one dream is that you will someday stand before Christ and be able to physically hug him and thank him personally for saving your life, filling you with his power. Let the Holy Spirit so empower your dreams and empower your life that you, you will not, you'll never be the same. If Gideon had not listened to God, we would have never read about him in the Word. The least of these, the, the least. He now becomes one of our great inspirations. The power of a dream. When Linda and I got married in 1973 on the 29th of December, we, one of the conversations we had was, on our 25th anniversary, we're going to Hawaii. We're going to spend our 25th anniversary in Hawaii. That was just a dream that we had. I was encouraged by the fact that she was already planning 25 years in, in the future. That was great news for me. But as that, for 25 years, that dream became a desire, and we were determined. We were ready to sell our children, our home, whatever it was going to take to sacrifice to, to see that dream come to pass. We didn't have to do any of that. Thank you, Jesus. But we made it. On the 28th of January, 1999, we celebrated Linda's birthday sitting on the patio of the Princeville Hotel overlooking the bay in the island of Kauai, where they filmed South Pacific, watching a Hawaiian sunset. Well, I think I had prime rib. Oh, what a, wow. <laughs> Our dream had become a reality. What's your dream? Don't make it too little because we don't serve a little God. 
I close with this story. A little country schoolhouse was heated by an old-fashioned pot-bellied coal stove. A little boy had the job of coming to school early each day to start the fire and warm the room before his teacher and classmates arrived. One morning, they arrived to find the schoolhouse engulfed in flames. They dragged the unconscious little boy out of the flaming building, more dead than alive. He had major burns over the lower half of his body and was taken to a nearby county hospital. From his bed, the dreadfully burned semi-conscious little boy faintly heard the doctor talking to his mother. The doctor told his mother that her son would surely die, which would be for the best, really, for the terrible de fire had devastated the lower half of his body. But the brave boy didn't want to die. He made up his mind that he would survive. Somehow, to the amazement of the physician, he did survive. When the mortal danger was past, he again heard the doctor and his mother speaking quietly. The mother was told that since the fire had destroyed so much skin in the lower part of his body, it would almost be better if he had died, since he was doomed to be a lifetime cripple with no use of his lower limbs. Once more, the brave boy made up his mind he would not be a cripple. He would walk. His dream. His desire. Now listen to his determination. But unfortunately, from the waist down, he had no motor ability. His thin legs just dangled there, all but lifeless. Ultimately, he was released from the hospital. Every day, his mother would massage his little legs. But there was no feeling, no control, nothing. Yet his determination that he would walk was as strong as ever. When he wasn't in bed, he was confined to a wheelchair. One sunny day, his mother wheeled him out into the yard to get some fresh air. This day, instead of sitting there, he threw himself from the chair. He pulled himself across the grass, dragging his legs behind him. He worked his way to the white picket fence bordering their lot. With great effort, he raised himself up on that fence, and then stake by stake, he began dragging himself along the fence, resolved that he would walk. He started to do this every day until he wore a smooth path all around the yard beside the fence. There was nothing he wanted more than to develop life in those legs. Ultimately, through daily massages, his iron persistence, his resolute determination, he did develop the ability to stand up, then to walk haltingly, then to walk by himself, and then to run. He began to walk to school, then run to school, then run for the sheer joy of running. Later in college, he made the track team. Still later, in Madison Square Garden, this young man, who was not expected to survive, who would surely never walk, who could never hope to run, this determined young man, Dr. Glenn Cunningham, ran the world's fastest mile. What's your dream? What's God telling you in the early wee hours of the day, the morning? Then let it become a desire that you will not turn away from. Then determine in your heart, the devil is a liar, and God is truth. If God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And then watch God bring it to pass. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you today. Thank you, God, for these great stories in your word. Thank you, God, for men like Gideon that, Lord, he just, he really pushed the envelope when it came to trusting you. But when he finally did, the dream became his destiny. And so I thank you, God. Father, give us a dream and a destiny here at our church. Thank you, Lord, that you give Pastor Darrell amazing dreams. 
amazing vision, amazing desire and determination. And Father, we are sitting in the result of a dream that took place many years ago, this sanctuary, this church, our ministries around the world. God, everything that goes on here was a dream at one point, and now it's reality. Give us new stuff, new dreams for a greater tomorrow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. What a, what a good word for our lives this morning. And I just want to say this before the blessing. Listen to me. I, I, I just, it was ringing in my heart as he was speaking that when God gives you a dream, and he will when you ask, when God gives you a dream, that is your destiny. When God gives you the dream, it is your destiny. But there's two things in between, that desire and determination. That's up to us, to our faith to work out and to act out and to live out the dream that God has placed in our heart. And I hope that you do that this week. Live with that dream alive in your heart. Would you stand for the blessing of the Lord this morning? And when we're done, make sure you fellowship with one another. Uh, Sign up in the lobby uh, for the pastry class, nutrition class, all the different things happening. And uh, just have a great week, and we'll see you Wednesday night for prayer. But this week, may the Lord bless you and protect you. May he smile on you and be gracious to you. May he show you his favor and give you his peace. God, I thank you for that blessing. God, I thank you for that favor. God, I thank you for that grace. And God, today, after receiving that word from you, thank you for the dreams that you put in our hearts. And God, we know they are our destinies. But give us the grace and the power this week to live out that dream. And God, I pray that you would receive all the glory. God, keep us safe, keep us strong, until we can gather together again as the church and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you.